Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today I have with me artist MJ Benson. Thanks for coming in. It's my pleasure. It's great to be here. Well, I'm, it's also my pleasure to see not only you, but this, this piece behind me, which is really quite something. Yes. I want to start with you telling me about it. Well, this is called Phoenix, and it was done in the fall of 2020, which we all know was pretty crazy time. Um, and there was a lot going on in my life, a lot going on in the world. And I would go into the studio and just kind of paint like a crazy person. And there was a lot of gesture, a lot of thick paint, a lot of, um, a lot of emotion going on in this piece. And, um, I, I, really like my pieces. They're very, they're abstract, first of all, but they are definitely recognizable as landscapes. Um, I like them to be on this edge of dark and light. So some people look at them and they think, oh, that's scary. And some people look at them and they think, oh, that's like light coming out of scariness. So they have this very different sort of response to them. And this one in particular is kind of funny because I painted it. I hung it. It was actually in a show. And then I changed it because it wasn't quite how I wanted it. So ironically, the name is Phoenix. So this is actually Phoenix 2. And it actually, it kind of rose from the ashes of what I, I didn't like about it. And I, I changed it and I actually made it darker up on the top. Um, but it is, it's sort of metaphorically very, um, you know, appropriate to 2020 of this sort of rising from all this craziness that was unexpectedly thrown at us. Um, and also, you know, it was a very dark time in many ways uh, for me, you know, personally, especially because my brother passed away. So that was very difficult. But it was also a time when I realized that it created this really beautiful life up here that with everyone home and everyone, you know, realized how strong my friendships were how wonderful it was to be able to practice up here as an artist and the support of that community. So there's this beautiful light in this piece as well. So of kind of coming out of this darkness. So, yeah. And it's one of my favorites, although it's kind of like kids where they're all like, they're all my favorites. <laughs> if that makes sense. But yeah. And it, it almost seems, I mean, is it meant to be an, an ocean with a reflected sky or is that just me reading into it? Oh, no, it is meant to be that. So when I do my work, I whether or not you can sense it in a representational way, my work is all about the horizon, which literally the horizon. I mean, the ocean has always been my my home, my muse, my, my place of comfort and challenge too because I, I swim a lot in the ocean. I have three different wetsuits, <laughs> so I swim as much as I can. Um, but it's also, I had an instructor a long time ago who talked about the horizon as the break between where you can breathe and where you can't, sort of like between the ocean and the sky, and also the land and the, and the sky as well in the ocean. So yeah, no, you are definitely seeing um, a landscape in there and a reflected sky in that, in the ocean. So, yeah. So what was it like to go through 2020 and all the external turmoil, but then also lose someone that is very dear to you? 
It was really intense. It was, it's a little, was it Tolstoy who wrote The Best of Times, The Worst of Times? <laughs> Tale of, was that him? It might have been Dickens, but. Dickens. <laughs> Somebody, I think it was, a, it's so Russian that <laughs> it's a very I, Russian He probably thing. said something like that too. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a human condition to have those, those two things. Um, it was really intense. It was, it was deeply, um, like I was saying about my family and the community, it was deeply comforting in some ways, like how we all pulled together and how we figured out how to sit outside and how we, you know, I went out and shopped for my neighbors who couldn't leave because they were in quarantine and they did it for me too and that kind of thing and and how I really loved having my kids at home at least most of the time and even having my husband home from work which you know was kind of he's you know he's not um (laughs) he doesn't enjoy that so but he's still like we all just rallied together but then it was so you know it was heartbreaking to see people struggling with their businesses and struggling with their livelihoods and their literally their lives and concern for their um their loved ones especially our elders a lot of people were really worried about them um and then of course my brother had sarcoma was going through that and sarcoma at least how it worked for him was he was fine, he was fine, he was fine, and then suddenly he wasn't, and he was gone very quickly. Um, so that was really, that was really difficult. So I remember my my sister throwing her hands up in the air and just saying, okay, what's next? I mean, what <laughs> what could you possibly do more, you know, to us? But um, yeah, it was pretty intense, but it was definitely part of my my creative work too was to be able to go to the studio and throw myself sometimes literally at my work so yeah it it was also a time where we were still trying to figure out how to um how to mourn people and how to gather to lay people to rest if that's yeah if you happen to need a funeral in order to do that i mean Mm -hmm. so how you know how did your family handle that well my family is um, they're very stoic, so which they're very proud of. Um, so there's a lot of emotion in my family, but they're also like, okay, you know, um, buckle up, buck up, and 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 you know, we'll get through this. I remember my dad is a very very positive person. He can see the silver lining in pretty much anything. And I remember when. excuse me, when I talked to him right after, literally, you know, a few hours after my brother died, my dad said, well, we had him for 40 years longer than we we should have, which kind of surprised me. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, because he'd been in a really bad car accident in college, which I'd forgotten about. But of course, my father would never forget that. So that's what he sees. You know, he saw that. Um, And so we were, you know, there wasn't a lot of chest beating and, and wailing around it. Of course, everyone was heartbroken, but we all knew we couldn't gather. So we connected with each other as best we could, um, over the phone on zoom. Um, my parents live right near us. So, um, and my sister was here when he died. So we all spent time together as, you know, and my father who's, you know, my parents are 87 and, uh, he said, I don't just hug me. I don't care. <laughs> So it was very sweet. So, 
And we had a lot of, I think in some ways, having it be difficult to travel or not being able to travel made it easier, at least on my parents, that they didn't feel like they had to be there. And I know my brother didn't want anybody around, you know, sort of in that same stoic um, vein. So it was easier for him to say, oh, you can't come because, because of COVID. But we did plan um, and we did have a big party um, because he wanted an Irish wake. He wanted no black. He wanted no crying. He wanted no, he wanted lots of beer drinking. And so um, we had our version of an Irish wake here um, in Maine. His whole family came out. He's from Colorado and California. So we were able to mourn just later. So, um, but yeah, it was, it's, I guess mourning has, has changed um, just in terms of, we can't gather at a wake. We can't gather, or we couldn't have gathered in, in a church, not that we would have done that <laughs> anyway. But um, we just found other ways to to acknowledge him. And um, and I'm certainly doing that through my art, too. Um, I, have, I got a grant from um, the Maine Arts Commission to do an artist project grant, which is so exciting. It just, there's nothing, it's so validating. It's wonderful. It's like, yes, we believe in your work and we want to help you out. And it's great. Um, and part of that is actually doing, using earth pigments and, and stones and things like that from the areas where I'll be plein air painting and incorporating them into the work. And it's part of what, because um, my brother was a geologist he was the black sheep in the family. He was a scientist. <laughs> and we were all we're all artists and creative people and inventors and designers and and so he was the the sort of nerdy black sheep. Um and um he uh he was always um you know if I don't know if you remember the earthquake we had here, that little earthquake. You know, I would call him and be like, Did you see anything? And he you know, I'd type up and look on his, you know, his is it his sort of nerdy, like, um, I can't remember what earth, like the people who study earthquakes, what they're called. But Seismologist or Seismologist, something, maybe? that's it. I was thinking vulcanologist. Yeah, like, no, that's close. Like, that's sort of close. And so he'd go online and say, oh, yes, there was a blah, 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 you know, it was centered in, you know. And so I would always talk to him about really interesting things related, like between art and science, specifically, excuse me, geology and um so part of my sort of mourning and honoring him is to do that work, incorporate it with my work. So, and yeah, I've reached out to a couple of other um, geologists in the area to sort of have them help me because normally I'd, I'd just call my brother and say, tell me about this, this rock. So I'm kind of trying to, to do a little bit of both there. That makes sense. That's that's so interesting because you've already described your connection with water, mm -hmm. and then your brother's connection is sort of earth and stone, mm -hmm. and you're mm -hmm. kind of yeah. coming back towards towards his element and a and a means of honoring him. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. So, what are you learning? Well, I'm learning that geology is complicated and um, it's very visual. Interestingly enough, because you know you're looking at work and also feeling it, and um, and also that they're really the line between art and science is so blurry. It really is, and I think I, I remember 
sort of listening when I was younger to like to people like Einstein and um, Neil deGrasse Tyson and people like that and realizing that science and math in particular to me at that point at a certain point becomes art because it's so you have to think outside these bounds and so I think I'm I'm just literally physically trying to put them together in a way so that that makes sense if that answers your question but yeah it is really interesting because I think um We've been, <clears throat> in the last, I don't know, almost two years now, we've been talking about following the science. Mm -hmm. But people's idea of what the science is is so much more concrete than what science actually is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, uh, you know, when you talk to people who really are scientists, a lot of what they do is question. So we're supposed to follow the people who are looking for answers and questioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is probably something that you've been doing with your art, I would think, for probably most of the time you've been doing it. Oh, yeah. I it, One of my big things has <laughs> always been to push the boundaries of materials. Um, even as a photographer, I was I used to use a plastic camera. And it was terrible for light leaks, and it was just such a monster to deal with. And photography is so precise, and people are very, like, you know, your F-stops and your the balance of your chemicals and all that's good stuff. And, and I was going in the other direction, like, just letting the whims of life kind of, that sounds really dramatic, but <laughs> letting the whims of the camera sort of dictate how I responded to... And I, of course, was doing landscapes um, at that point. But, and it's like, a, and then the other thing with not just photography, but with painting is, and I've had so many discussions with different companies that make like Gamblin and Golden and um, RNF Paints, which they do encaustic work, just to talk to them about how I can combine materials because there are certain effects that I want, but. I don't want it falling off. You know, my work is not about something that's going to fall apart. I'm not, you know, looking for something to get auctioned off and then have a machine go on and shred it like that Banksy piece. <laughs> so I want my my stuff to to stay to stay around. Um, but it is that constant play, and I think as artists, it's our job to to push those materials to um, make people think about things in a different way. Um, you know, there's the consistent professionality of showing up and having your, you know, your vision and your focus and, and really diving deeply into one thing, but you also really have to play and you have to push those boundaries because that's, that's really our job, I think too. And I think that scientists and doctors and epidemiologists, excuse me, um, they do that as well, that, that they have to really think, well, we've never seen this. Like, how do we, how do we manage it? How do we deal with it? You know, but you have to use the, what you have in place, you know, your, your protocols your whatever your, what you already know, and then go from there. So if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah I think it does. And I think, um, I think that you're right, that you have to use the tools that you have in front of you as not a way to be kind of hemmed in, but as sort of a structure that you're continually moving to use towards other purposes. But that does require some 
experimentation and a willingness to maybe not succeed the first time you try. Yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. I, when I used to teach, I would spend, and I taught photography, um, mostly to adults and teenagers, which most people, not the adults so much, but the teenagers, oh, why would you want? And I said, because they're still, they're old enough to know what's interesting and what they like, but they're not like so young that they're, they don't really know what they're, like, they're still open. They're still, you know, they can be challenging, but anyway. Um, but with adults in particular and teenagers to some, some extent, I would spend most of my time unlearn like unlearning what they had. They had all these biases about their own abilities that they're, Oh, I can't do that. And, and I had to teach them how to think about, have them think about what they were trying to do versus what they actually did. And it both were, were good and that that's how they learned was experimenting and kind of playing back and forth and being willing to fail. Um, I had a teacher, um, I went to the museum school in Boston and I, there was a photography, um, teacher who I had, who was, I was his teaching fellow for years. I just love this guy, Jim Dow. And he had, um, uh, another really well-known, um, photographer come and speak to us and martin parr who was part of um my gosh magnum in um the magnum agency and so he came and he showed us all his big fancy stuff and of course we're students who are you know wow you know how do you do that and we can't do that or you know we don't do that kind of stuff and and he stopped and he thought you know and he said out loud i i should have shown you guys everything i screwed up because that you're seeing decades of success like of, but what you're not seeing are the decades of failures, which are a hundred times more <laughs> than that one piece that you're seeing. So yeah, I totally agree that the, you know, we have to fall on our faces to get anywhere, if that makes sense. So yeah. Well, sure. I mean, in my field, it's called the practice of medicine. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, patient, exactly. patients don't like the idea yeah. that we might be practicing on them, but yeah. there is a reality to this idea that, you yeah. know, when you first start out, you probably do things that you have to kind of keep um, tinkering with the way that you approach situations and you get better at it over time. Yeah. And everything's different. Even between my kids are only, they're 20 months apart and the difference between midwifery, eight, you know, that time period was huge. Like they did everything completely different 20 months later and they were, it was just nuts. But yeah, it's kind of, I have to say I've always felt, um, I, I love my doctor, um, Megan Staten, who's amazing. I don't know if you know her. But she's wonderful. She's, yes. Yeah, she's amazing. She's the kind of doctor who, if she can't figure out what I need, she'll like, we'll figure it out together. And she'll give me ideas and things that, you know, I mean, I'm, we're talking about like, I don't want <laughs> to get her in trouble. I don't think I would. But, you know, it's like, it, this isn't like, you know, you need a blood test for this. This is like, you know, you have a headache and we haven't figured out like why you have it. Like maybe it could be this or that or whatever. So people who are confident enough in their abilities to say, you know, maybe I don't know, but let's figure it out together or let's figure it out or let me look into it some more. Like that's just super important to have that ability to kind of, it's a, it's an issue of confidence and and experience in some ways, but I don't know. It's like, yeah. So. Well, it's also an ability to build trust with someone. Exactly. Where, yeah. you know, with Megan, yeah. who, by yeah. the way, she went to residency around the time that I did at Maine oh, Medical okay. Center. So yeah. I do actually know oh, Megan yeah, very well. Wonderful. Yeah. And, um, 
it's an ability to have enough of a relationship with someone else that you can say, well, I don't really know. And that other person mm-hmm. can say, okay, yeah. you know, they're willing to be part of that uncertainty yeah. with you. Yeah. And that, that actually is also part of kind of the practice of relationship building over exactly. time. Yeah. Well, but I think you also have to have a certain amount of confidence sure. in yourself and, and, you know, how do we build that? But, and for me, as it, when I was teaching, I was like, how do I, I help people get there so they feel like, you know, and even sometimes for my own work, I might have a big, beautiful piece that everyone loves, but I just don't feel right about it. And I haven't finished it yet. And, you know, it's in the studio and people have come to see it and I'll do something crazy, like throw some wacko paint or on it or, but I have to have, I have to feel confident enough to know that I can I don't know if it fix it is the right word, but to get it where it wants to go. And that's, that's really challenging. So I, yeah, it's kind of having that balance of those two things. It's pretty, yeah. Or doing something really large, just something different. Like I did a huge painting, um, 72 by 72 inches, which I decided not to bring that today. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not that I could get it here easily. Um, and that was so much fun. And then also making smaller pieces or using a totally different material or, you know, a non-square shape or something. There's just so many directions you could go. So, yeah, it's really exciting. But When we interviewed you for the Off the Wall um, publication that mm-hmm. we do, you uh, you mentioned that you got kicked out of high school. I and I wouldn't ask you this, except you, it's actually in, it's published. So, it's published. It's right. totally published. Yeah. Well, so tell me about that. It's a hilarious thing because I, when my kids were getting older, because they're 16 and 18 now, and we were talking with friends about college and how to prepare for that, and I would say, you know, I got kicked just because people get crazy about that. I mean, there's a great book that, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? He wrote, it's what you do, wh- where you go is not who you'll be. It's a great book about college. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but I would say, you know, you have to kind of calm down about it a little bit because I got kicked out of high school, but I have a graduate degree from Harvard. Like, so you just never know what's going to happen. And it's really funny because people always assume that it was drinking or drugs or some crazy thing that I did. And in fact, um, it was academic and it was academic in that I decided when I was in seventh or eighth grade that I was going to be an artist and a writer and I didn't really need to bother with everything else. So I would get, you know, I'd have six classes and I'd get three A's and three F's and I was in a private school and they rightfully so like, we can't give you a diploma with this kind of, I mean, they, they really couldn't and, and I don't blame them. So I was asked to leave after my junior year because I was just not willing to put in the work for the stuff that I wasn't interested in because I was a very stubborn teenager. So, but alas, here we are. I'm an artist and not very many people know my writing. It's, it's, it's a different part of my life. But um, I also, you know, I went to Harvard for graduate school. So it's kind of, you know, it's, you just never know. Um, I tend to invoke um, people like, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Bill Gates, you know, who never, he never finished Harvard. So, you know, the people like that or Einstein who flunked math in sixth grade. So it's all to sort of make me feel better about doing something that people think is very, you know, out of the norm. But 
Yeah. So that's the big got kicked out of high school story. It's really, you know, everyone thought, oh my God, you got caught, you know, drinking or you got in it. It's not, it was about my, who I was. Like I, I knew what I wanted to do and, and I didn't really care to do the rest of it. So sometimes that gets in my way, but oftentimes that, that attitude gets me through things too. That makes sense. So, well, I would think it lends itself if you're in seventh grade and already knowing this, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it kind of lends itself to that uh, confidence, you know? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It was, you know, I like my husband and I always say we want strong, confident children, and damn it, we got strong, confident children. And it, you know, it's it is, uh, you know, my parents were always sort of appalled they're like oh no she's you know she's not doing well she's gonna get kicked out and they really wanted me to toe the line so I could have more choices and but on the other hand they were the ones who are like be yourself you know do your own thing find your own path be an individual so it was a little like you know it's that question authority but not your mother kind of like <laughs> I think my family was like that actually yeah, yeah yeah and we find you know we find our way it's but I think we all know that's a difficult path to to constantly be fighting one thing or another when it's a lot easier to just follow the flow. And and I think that, you know, my parents were in the and, and as I am often with my kids, in that sort of like, oh, you know, how do I how do I make sure you're doing what you want and you're happy and you know, you're being creative and, you know, if you want to. Um but you're also able to like keep a roof over your head <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I think that's really, that was that fear, uh, that parental fear of, you know, not my kids not being able to, you know, take care of themselves at some point. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, when I think about my own children, I, I would want the same things for my own children. I, I want them to question authority, but I also want them to be able to care for themselves and really because I think there are struggles associated with not being able to care for yourself. Oh, yeah. And you want to be able to have that, um, have that flexibility to, to be able to, to know, like, I can do this crazy stuff, but I can come home to, you know, um, to a, a warm meal and, you know, on a roof over my head and maybe a dog curled up on the, on the couch. Um, and there's one other thing I was going to say The um, oh, well, it's gone from my head. It'll come back. <laughs> so what about the writing? What, what do you do with oh, your writing? I do a lot of, um, journal writing. I've done, a, I've written a lot of like short stories and things like that, but those are very, like, I've never like, <laughs> you're like, I want to know more about that. Cause you don't, you, you said that's another part of your life. Um, it's very, it's sort of very private stuff, just like things I write and I don't, it's funny because I, art is a very, I've always felt very confident in that world, but the world of writing and writers and that and publishing, because of course I don't think about it just for my own pleasure, edification or whatever. It's, it's also, I have to think about, oh, how could I, you know, get this out into the world too. I'm always thinking about that part of it, but I, I don't feel as confident with that, with my writing. So I will, I will probably keep that to myself for a while, but you never know. 
Well, there is a certain amount of exposure that goes along with writing. Very, mm-hmm. very similar to art. Yeah, I mean, with art, yeah. you you put it in front of other people, and and they're gonna they're gonna think what they're gonna think. And writing is very similar. Mm-hmm. You can you can frame things the way that you want yeah. to, but people will read what they're gonna read into it. So it's not that strange yeah. <laughs> for you to be concerned about you yeah. know how people might respond. Exactly, but yeah, it's kind of a <clears throat> it's a very different. It's just a different world. So, and of course I, you know, I have, I always think of myself as like, oh, I can do all these things. Right. But then not necessarily as I've gotten older, although that has happened in some way, but I think as you get older, you get more efficient, you get smarter about how you work, even though, you know, it might, you might not have the energy that you had. Like, I don't want to be 20 years old again, (laughs) but I wish I had that energy. I really do. Um, but I know there's only so much I can do and I don't want to pull away from the things I'm that are right in front of me that I'm deeply interested in, in knowing more about with my painting in particular. So I don't want, I don't want to sap any energy from that. So I think the writing is, is I don't, and I also don't want that to become something that's too important as well. Like that, that I feel like I have to you know make that, as important as the painting to, if that makes sense, I kind of, it's like a, um, yeah, I kind of want to maintain the energy that I have toward what I'm doing right now. So, well, I mean, journaling for yourself is a very legitimate and worthwhile endeavor that you don't necessarily have to censor or edit or bring to the surface (laughs) or, yeah. 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 So, and I often think of writing, at least my own writing, I think of it as, um, having a seasonality to it almost where, yeah. you know, yeah. there's the, yeah. there's the season where you're, you're kind of more inward and you're doing more kind of mm-hmm. pondering and experimenting and you're hibernating. A exactly. Little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Like this time of year when at four thirty it's midnight basically. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So this is just not, it's not the season for your writing to be out yet. Right. I like the way you put that yet. That maybe, I mean, you know, it's a possibility. Maybe. You know. It's always, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, let me ask you one last question. I know that you're also an athlete and <laughs> that yeah. you've done marathons and triathlons. Mm-hmm. You talked yeah. about your swimming. How does that work into your artistic life? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so when I was younger, <laughs> by younger, I mean when my kids were younger, Running was my savior because I would get up at 4.30 in the morning and I would go run by myself, nobody around. You're nodding like, yes, I totally understand. And I wouldn't listen to music. I would just listen to the world around me and just pound the pavement. And it really, it kept my mind, you know, my head screwed on straight, so to speak. Um, Kept me happy during those sort of underwater times when your kids are so young. and so it really helped me. And then I, I transitioned into triathlons because I started raising money for the main cancer foundation through the Tri for a Cure, which what an event. It's just amazing. Um, and there's also one of the differences between just doing run, like one sport in particular. And I was a cyclist before that too. So I was really confident as I'd ridden my bike hundreds, thousands of miles before that. Um, but putting them all together is a very, it's a brainy activity. It's figuring out the transitions and figuring out, 
Um, how am I going to get my shoes on and off? And like, there's just, there's a, there's a different kind of thought behind it. That's not just about like, if you go out for a long run, like, okay, have I had enough water? Have I had like, do it? Like there's all these things you think about with triathlons. It's, you know, three times like multidimensional. So it's really fun figuring that out. But, um, one of the things I started doing lately with my husband and my son, who's 16, who's like, it's, he's, he's kind of a giraffe at this point. Um, but he's lifting, we're lifting weights, like heavy weights, like powerlifting. And it's been so fun. It's just really, it's amazing. And it's really, I mean, it's about having a healthy body, but it's also about keeping your brain active and, it's really been good for all of us to just sort of, you know, when we're done lifting, we just feel like a million bucks. So, yeah, it really helps with keeping everything, brain, body, happy and chugging along. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking about my own, my youngest daughter and mm-hmm. how she has gotten very much into CrossFit with her oh, father, yeah. which yeah. it's been interesting mm-hmm. for me to see over the last I don't know how long she's been doing it, but let's say five years. Yeah. And, you know, how she really got into having that be so participatory. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, I don't know that she ever would have done any kind of weightlifting if she hadn't had her father to yeah. encourage her. But it's funny that yeah. that's something that you, you're sharing with your yeah. son. Well, it, it's interesting because I, when I met my husband, he was a bodybuilder, which is different than lifting. Cause like, which I've learned the subtleties is pretty interesting because um, bodybuilding is about making yourself look good and being strong. I mean, that's sort of part of it. So when I met him, of course, I was like, why don't you teach me about bodybuilding? <laughs> and it was sort of a bonding experience for us. It was really fun. And I loved the way I felt after I did it. And I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I love lifting weights. Um, and then when we started doing it again, because we just have various changes in our lives that we, we have, a friend who's a really well-known bodybuilder, uh, weightlifter, and she had recommended this gym in Westbrook. And so I was like, why don't we go and do this together? Because that's kind of how we like started off was doing this. And then um, I thought, you know, we were leaving, we'd go Sunday mornings and my son would be on the, you know, playing video games. And I said, Thatch, why don't you come and lift weights with us? And he was like, okay. So he came and I think he loves it now. Like, so, I mean, he's, you know, we have a trainer who works with the three of us for an hour and he's, you know, so it's having other people help you out is great. And that's why, even though I have some issues with CrossFit and like how I think you can injure yourself pretty easily doing that, but that's just me. Um, I love that it gets people together and people are working out a lot in the community of people sort of, you know, getting, um, getting healthy together and supporting each other is great. So I'm glad your daughter's doing it with her dad. (laughs) It's really fun. It's also, I think like when I, so I can right now I can deadlift more than my son, but it's not going to be for long, but to be like, yeah, your mom, your mom is kicking your butt, buddy. You know, like (laughs) it's kind of a good feeling. For me, but I know eventually he's just going to like blow me out of the water in that sense. But anyway. Well, I will tell you that you're right because (laughs) both of my daughters, actually, when they see me, they will squeeze me very hard and hug me. Mm -hmm. And then they like to try to lift me in the air. So, um, and they're usually (laughs) successful. So I suspect your son will also do that. It's a question of kind of age and 
also youth. Age and youth. And, and just, I remember it's a great story about my brother. It's one of the funny, I don't know, um, just a funny thing with, so my brother was uh, like a world-class rower. So, and rowers are buff. They are strong. They're intense. They're, anyway, so my brother was 6'5", and he was like 250 pounds without an ounce of fat on him. And there's this great story about when he was 18, he, my mother, I could hear from the other room, she's yelling, Rob, put your father down. And I ran into the room and my brother has my dad, who is almost the same size, over his head, like in a, you know, <laughs> so it's just, it. I'm kind of waiting for the day when I'm like, Thatcher, put your father down, you know, so it is kind of amazing how, I don't know, that the the father son as they grow, like watching them, you know, um, be able to do those kinds of funny things. But I'm, pr I'm confident that my son will get there, but it does take a little bit of work and effort and again, confidence. So, yeah. Well, and my, and to be clear, my, my son could also lift me up. He just oh, yeah. doesn't typically, <laughs> but just, then my middle yeah. child is a swimmer and my yeah. youngest child is a rower. Yeah. And so I think uh, they also yeah. love the physicality that yes. there's like a power yeah. involved in that. Well, it's also, uh, you know, my family, besides being stoic, which they're probably going, what, what is she talking about? But they know what I'm talking about. They really do. Um, they're very competitive, super competitive. Like Monopoly at our house over the holidays was dark. Like <laughs> It was brutal. Um, it was fun, but it was like, wow. So there's that competitive edge of when you're really physical, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm also a Boston driver, so I, cause that's where I learned how to drive. So I tend to like, oh, I'm going to get this, beat this guy, I'm going to cut this guy off or whatever, which is really bad. It's tempered a lot since I moved here. But um, yeah, there's that competitive edge is really, it's fun, especially in families, as long as it's not, you know, too much, but it can be really fun. Like, hey, can you pick up mom? I don't know. Can you, like, you know, you little weak swimmer person? Can you, you know? So, anyway, but I'm diving into the deep end with that, but <laughs> so to speak. But well, it's incredibly relatable because oh, yeah. in our in our family, we actually yeah. just had this conversation, didn't we? We had a conversation <laughs> about Monopoly, I think, not too long ago. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, we get the competition thing. Yeah, so. Monopoly and Settlers of Catan is our, oh, okay. our new one that we do. And that one gets, it's hilarious to watch everybody with their different, their different ways of trying to beat, you know, beat people. But, Yeah. Well, MJ, I have very much enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. I think there's a lot of similarities in our lives. We probably could <laughs> continue to explore them further if we had more time. Um, but I do encourage people to uh, go to the Portland Art Gallery and see your work. Also see your work online mm -hmm. and maybe, um, maybe visit with MJ at one of our upcoming artist openings. I've been speaking with artist MJ Benson, who is really quite wonderful. And I encourage you get to know her and also her art. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great.